Good morning. If I sound a little, my voice sounds a little different, it's probably because it is. <laughs> but um, we hope to keep attention on Jesus Christ. Uh, so let's open our Bibles to Romans 5, verse 5, because today's message is entitled, How Far Does Your Love Go? And in, in other words, we need to probably put it another way. How far do we allow love to go? How far do we allow love to go? Now, it's very interesting that the, 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 all the words and things like that was such a, a great praise and worship time and how much God loves us, that's what God does. And we're going to talk about love today and how love operates in everything, everything. There's nothing that love doesn't operate in. It says here in verse 5, Romans 5, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out or the King James will say, shared abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, if the love of God has been shared abroad, poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit as Christians, that means that we have love in us. Is that correct? We have love in us. Also, we know that we have the Holy Spirit in us. Because we're born again. Is that correct? That means that we have God in us. Is that right? So that means God is love. So we know that we have this in us. Our, or at least mine, dilemma is how do I get this love to uh, overflow and spill out on everybody I'm around. And everything that I say, and everything that I do, and every place I go, how can people see and feel the love of God? Because I don't know about you, but my love is not God's love. Would you agree with that? And see, before we got born again, how do we love? We will love in, in ways that we have phileo love. We have that. We have, you know, eros love. We have our stergo love. We have those different types of love, but agape love, no, 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 no. It only comes with God. So let's look in Colossians 3, 3, and set the other scripture here. It says that for you have died. The King James said, you are dead. And your life hidden with Christ in God. That is, that is a powerful scripture. That is a powerful scripture. Because it tells me that the title of the message being how for Really, will I allow love to go through me? It's telling me that I have no choice, seemingly, because I died. I don't live anymore. My life is hid with Christ in love. In love. Because it's in God. So I'm just, I'm just moving around for in love. Is that scripture? Well then, if our life is no longer our life, we don't have a life, it's Christ's life, and Christ's life is in the Father, is in love, then everything that I do, you do, as a Christian, should exemplify love. It should be love, love. It's like that plant 
that, that we had uh, about three weeks ago is rooted in soil. Well, we're rooted in love. So therefore, we should be growing all the fruit that we bear should be love, love, love. Now, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit today. The whole series, Rooted and Ground in Love, is talking about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. But I want you to know that there is no fruit that's worth eating, worth partaking of, if it's not birthed out of love. It's not. It's not. Now, again, let's think of the, the message title. How far will you allow love to go? How far? You think I can put a, put a, uh, a little damper on it? You think I can make up my mind, I can choose not to love? I can choose not to forgive. I can choose not to be nice to, to people. You think I can do that? Can you do that? Yeah, we can do that. So that's why I said, how far do you allow love to go or God to go, the Holy Spirit to go through us? That's what we're talking about. Let's turn to Galatians. We're going to spend some time there. We, we were there last time. And we want to pick up a few things here. Galatians chapter 5. You remember we went chapter 5, verses 1 through 6 last time. And then we went uh, uh, 5.13. This time we were on 5.13, but we're on uh, the second part of 13. Then we'll go 14 and 15. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. That's what we talked about last week. But, it says, through love or by love, serve one another. Oh, my goodness. That is good. You see, when I taught last week, I said, we can't turn our freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Sometimes we think of flesh as sin, as something doing something really bad. But see, it's not always that way because I can turn my freedom into an opportunity for the flesh by not serving you. And you're not serving one another. We can do that because we don't feel like it. Come on. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Do you know that, that serving is very, very important? Very, very important because without serving one another, we can't, we can't really grow as a body of believers. That means the body of Christ universal. We can't grow because we need each other. Hold your place right there, and we'll look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 16. And um, I'm not going to read the whole context what it's in, but it's basically uh, we've been given a fivefold ministry uh, to gifts by Jesus Christ to uh, equip the saints for the works of service. And it says right here in verse 16, from whom the whole body, the whole body, it's not just talking about cornerstone. It's talking about the whole body. But it's not excluding cornerstone because we are a part of the body. Being fitted and held together by what every, not some, every joint supplies according to the proper, proper working of each individual part. Causes the growth of the body for the building of itself still in love. We need each other. If you sit on your gifts, someone's going to suffer. The body of Christ is going to suffer. It really is. And God has gifted us with the Holy Spirit to live in us. And we have power in us. 
And we should be using our gifts because he has many, many gifts. Not just one, but many, many, many gifts for us to use, to partake of. And so I believe that, you can turn back to Galatians now, because I believe that we have to make sure that, you know, um, let's say that I know my gift would be encouragement. That's one of my gifts, encouragement. Another one would be teaching. Um, but my main one is, 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 is encouragement. And I can say, uh, you know, I don't want to do this over here because that's not my gift. But some things, it doesn't take gifting to do. It just takes a willingness to do it. And sometimes the body suffers if, uh, I was thinking how many times in the bulletin has it been in there about the children need workers. We got in, 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 in this class two to five-year-olds, and uh, they said, man, this class is loaded up. We need to divide up. But you need eight workers divided up. The other class, the older class, kindergarten through fifth grade, well, you know, at least I've taught elementary schools, and you just don't put kindergartens with the fifth graders, you know, not in PE anyway, <laughs> you know, because... <laughs> I mean, the skill level is totally different. But they can't divide them up because they need about eight workers. And so it's been in there a long time. I said, you know, hey, uh, Minerva and I do it on a fifth Sunday. Uh, because I don't teach on a fifth Sunday. Uh, when it's a fifth Sunday, the young adults do that. So uh, we'll do that. Uh, it's only four in a year, but it's no, 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 no. You've got to do it four straight weeks and we can't because uh, the kids need uh, people that's going to be there for them on a cons- consistent basis. I said, okay. I said, well, well, all right. But I don't mind because my, well, we, we, at least my wife, she's taught uh, the kids for years and years uh, when we were over at the building. <laughs> and so I asked a couple of people in my life group, I said, hey, would you teach the children? And I knew that one of them didn't want to teach children because she likes to work with another older group. And I said, oh, you'll do a great job because you're a teacher. And she said, I'll do it because you said that uh, I'll do a good job, so I just trust God because I can teach, but I just don't like teaching that age group. Okay. And then she came to me about two weeks later and said, you know what? Man, God is stirring my heart, but I'm getting excited about getting in there, but they're not calling me yet, you know. I said, let's just hold on to it. They're going to get to you, you know. If somebody asks you to uh, work in the children's ministry, help out in the children's ministry. There is no other ministry in this church that needs as many people as children. None. And I've been to church churches with 6,000, 10,000 people. At Bethlehem World Press Center down in Louisiana, uh, they, they had, oh, my goodness gracious, in the tens of thousands of people. And I went to the children's department. I said, well, how do you, how do you get workers for this? And I said, sometimes we had to hire some of them because we can't get enough people to work. You, you, you see, the more people you have, the more children you're going to have. Yeah. Un- unless now it's, it's the, like my, uh, I have a friend. Uh, in impact churches that he's down in Florida and he passes a church, but that church is a retirement church, you know. And so he doesn't have anybody under 50 in his church. Everybody's usually, you know, uh, 60, 70, and they retire. So basically he doesn't have to worry about his children's ministry, you know. We don't want to get like that, do we? We're going to have us, you know, uh, we're not going to put – Put the 60 year, 60 year olds out because I'll be gone, you know. <laughs> but we, we want to have a, a, a nice back, a, a balance, don't we? Want a nice balance. Right? Want to always have young people in the church, you know. We, we really do. 
But you're going to have to realize we're supposed to serve one another. Serve one another. Don't sit on your gifts. And that's just, this is one example. You find out what, what you can do, you know, and, and, and the time you have available, and do that. That's serving one another. It says, by love serve one another. That's what the scripture says. By love serve one another. See, you can't serve one another if you don't have love, agape. Because, see, the type of love that I have, see, I'm giving the flesh opportunity sometimes because I don't want to do it. And so, therefore, I don't do it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not allowing love to have its full flow through me and fill me up and, and, and ooze out on the, on the church body. And I say that I want to take the restrictions off the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to do. Take the restrictions off the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit, have your way with me. Because you said in Colossians that my life is here with Christ and God that I have died. So either we're dead or we're not dead. And I believe that we are dead even though we live. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Right? The hope of glory. So, so those are just scriptures. Let's go just a little bit further now. I didn't know Chad was going to get up and say that, though. But that's okay. This is in my message. Let's go to Galatians. Go a little bit further in there. Because we don't see what 14 says. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's, it's already implied that we love ourselves, meaning we care about ourselves. We don't have to teach any children to be selfish. Am I correct? They're automatically that way. Very few children always want to give you some of their toys, give it, play with the other kids. Hey, have my toy. You can play with my toy. No, no, no. It's my toy. And if you get one, they're going to want that one. You see? It, it, that's just the way <laughs> kids are. You see? So I'm saying that he already, the, 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 the writer here already knows that we love ourselves. So he says, love your neighbor as yourself. In the Old Testament saying, of course, the New Testament is love others just as I have loved you. Speaking of Jesus. We, in love, loving your neighbor is loving others. So we have to realize that I can't, there's no way, there's no way that I'm going to love you like I love myself unless it's Christ loving through me. You can't do it either. None of us can do it. Because we all, whether we admit it or not, we all think selfishly. Even though we don't, we, we, we won't, it won't be a conscious thought, but it'll be just something that is in us. Whether it feels good to us, whether we want to do it or not, whatever it is, it's just, that's just the way it is. Now, does it mean that we don't ever do anything for anybody? No, we do a lot of things for people. What we want to do. Don't we? What you don't want to do, you don't do. And see, that's not, that's not the way I see things in the Word of God. Let's go to 15. But if you bite and devour one another, so it's contrasting. But if you bite and devour one another, instead of loving one another, take care that you don't consume one another. And that's what happens a lot of times when uh, we get pushed the wrong way, and our selfishness comes out. We don't want to, through love or by love, serve one another. Then we will bite one another, usually behind each other's back. You know what I'm talking about at work, right? It's not, it's not in the church, but you know what I'm talking about at work, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, you know in the home. Between husband and wife, sometimes between parents and kids, especially teens, sometimes there's some biting going on. You hear what I'm saying? God says through love, serve one another. Serve one another. 
not devour one another, bite one another. It's through love, though. It's got to be through love. Let's go down to verse 22. How far are you going to allow love to go? Now we're on the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it says here, fruit of the Spirit. But I want to submit to you that you have nine fruit here. It says fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever wondered why it says fruit, not fruits of the Spirit? You know, it's, a, it's got nine. But I submit to you that this is not all. That's not all the fruit. If you think that this is all the fruit of the Spirit, come on. We're not reading our Bible. Right? Because you can turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and you can see what uh, other things about love. And you say, well, hey, that's not in the fruit of the Spirit. If we recognize that fruit is the, is the result of, it's the effect of, the spirit control life. You see? In other words, when it was talking in, in verse 16 on down, it says, but I say, see, it's a contrast now. Instead of biting and devouring one another, but I say, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the desire of the flesh. It was talking about walking in the spirit. See, that the result of a, of a spirit-led walk or a spirit Spirit-controlled life is everything that the Spirit of God has. Everything he has. What does he have? What does God not have? What does he not have? Nothing. I don't know anything he doesn't have. It's good, right? It's good. He doesn't have anything. Everything he has is good. So I say that that we'll start here, but we're going to mix some up and things like that. But don't just think that this is all the fruit you want. Please don't do that. This is just a, this is just a, a little taste of, of, of what comes from the Spirit, the result of the effect of the Spirit in our lives, leading our lives. Love. That was the first one. And that's where I want to stop love because I really don't know what love is. And I told my wife, I don't know what love is. I can look it up in all my study aids. I still don't know what love is uh, because I, 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 you know, agape. I know what eros is, and I know what it is. I know what phileo is. I love, I mean, I, I, I love some pineapple cake. See, I, I know what that, I know what phileo is, see. And I know what stergo is because I love my children and I have, we have mutual affection for one another. I know that. But that agape, that, that, that it's, it's hard for me to get a handle on that thing. I already, you know, I read the thing and I still, after I finish reading it, it doesn't tell me no more than I knew to start with. So the only way I know what love is, is to see what God does and what he says in his word. Because I know that God is love. So I said, well, hmm. It'll be like if, it'll be like if I asked you, I want you to draw a picture. And you said, okay, what picture? I said, well, just start drawing. And he said, that's kind of weird. And I said, no, no, you drew the wrong line. Draw it over this way. You said, well, it'll be helpful if you tell me what I'm drawing. Yeah. Right? If I give you a picture. Well, see, I know what, I, I can only know what love is, agape love, because I see it worked out in God's word. I see what he does. You know, when he says that, when he says that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I said, oh. Oh. 
That's, that's agape? I mean, the world, he gave his only begotten son before the world even cared anything about him. Oh, that's agape. Now, if I'm going to walk that out, no, allow, oh, oh, let's put it this way, allow that love to come out, then he's going to want me to love people who don't love me. And see, my flesh doesn't want to do that. Right? Am I going to hinder the spirit working through me? Or am I going to allow him to have full flow? See, that's the, that's the question that we're trying to do when we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. That's why it starts with love. How else do I know love? Oh, my goodness, you know. Have you ever done something that you know you're not supposed to do? You just missed the mark. It's called sin. Right? <laughs> it's a number of them in the Bible, you know, if you kind of wonder what sin is. It's missing the mark of what God's word says and his character. Well, we all have done that. And the word tells me he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Oh, that's what love is. Wow. So I can be forgiving because I know what what picture the Holy Spirit is trying to draw, you see, when he's trying to come through me to love somebody who's done something against me. And I don't want to forgive them. And, of course, being in church, we have these churchies, you know, Christianese type of language. I forgive you. I forgive you. And all what we are saying is that a lot of times I forgive you, but I don't like you. I don't want you around me. Don't ever, you know. A lot of times we do that. Well, we, we say, well, I, I have to forgive you. I forgive you. You know, you know God's not that way. Suppose he, he was that way. He said, I forgive you, but I don't want you around me no more. You can forget it. Right? That would be bad news, wouldn't it? We wouldn't be here, would we? I'm telling you. That, that's what, how God is. Let's take love to another fruit, faithfulness. And the King James said faith. But it's really, uh, in this verse, faithfulness. In faithfulness. It says uh, that faithfulness is, some of the synonyms for that would be something like dependable, trustworthy, reliable. It's firm adherence to a promise, to what you have said. Oh, faithfulness is awesome, but a lot of times we as Christians, faithfulness, we won't allow faithfulness to grow and come out of us. We won't allow that fruit to come out if it's something we don't want to do. Right? We'll be faithful in those things that we want to do or we like to do. Or as long as things go our way, we're faithful. But we're not faithful if things don't go our way. Am I talking to the right group? Y'all understand? I mean, now, obviously you know that we all have been there you know, as far as that unfaithfulness. Now, I'm not talking about the, uh, necessarily the, the, the bad stuff, unfaithfulness of, of you know, uh, cutting out on your mate and all like that. I'm not talking about that kind of unfaithfulness. We're talking about just the, just the, really, the Christian unfaithfulness stuff. No, Christian unfaithfulness stuff, we're, we're so unfaithful, boy. A lot of times it's hard to find. Matter of fact, Proverbs, I'm, I'm doing it in Galatians, Proverbs Chapter 20, verse 6. It says something that, uh, uh, my goodness gracious. Listen to it. It says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty. That's loving kindness. That's mercy. But who can find a faithful man or a trustworthy man or a reliable man? Now, this is, this is, this is God's word in Proverbs. 
Who can fathom? Who can fathom? Now, God looks for faithfulness, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He looks for faithfulness. Out of you, out of me, out of the body of Christ, he's looking for faithfulness. And he's supposed to be to find it because the Holy Spirit is in us if we'll allow faithfulness to come out. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're supposed to allow that to come out. But I don't want to be faithful because something's not going my way. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. So, therefore, I'm not going to be faithful. That's not what the picture I read in the Bible the way Jesus is. Is that how you read the Bible? That Jesus said, oh, I don't like this about you, I don't like this about you, so I'm not going to be faithful to you. He's always faithful, isn't he? When we are negligent, he's still faithful. When we are unfaithful, he's still faithful. He's faithful. You can be, you can be the worst of the worst. And crowd to him, he comes into you, he comes right to you and meets you. He's faithful. And that's what wants, that's what he wants to come out of us. That faithfulness, that kind of faithfulness. It doesn't have anything to do with you. You remember you're dead, right? It has something to do with him. His glory in the earth. He wants his glory to come out. So therefore, I say, well, huh. I don't know what I can be faithful out of. He said, just be who you are, a dead man walking. And I'll just walk through you. Just allow me to have my way with you. So therefore, I can be faithful. The Holy Spirit is moving, and I'm not hindering to people who are unfaithful, to a situation that I don't like, to a situation that I know that, I'd rather be somewhere else, but this is what God said, so therefore, this is what I do. This is where I am. Do you know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we as Christians, we'll say, well, well, God has changed his mind, and therefore, he doesn't want me to continue in this situation. Well, he might have, but the thing is that you better make sure it's Bible. Make sure you talk about it uh, to somebody have oversight of your soul, your parents or whoever, the elders in the church, you know, so you can get some amen on that thing. Otherwise, you might be finding out that you are sinning. You don't want to do that. God is looking for faithfulness. And you had to put this together, what I'm saying, with all the other messages I've talked, so the guests might not know uh, some of the things. You might say, well, suppose suppose somebody has got an axe after you, man, and beating you and trying to do the, do you you be faithful to this person? Well, okay, um, you had to go back to the other teaching that I've done. Okay, so know that I'm going to be scripture on everything I say. God's looking for faithfulness. Matter of fact, they, they, Saul was throwing spears at David, threw a spear at David. Is that correct? David could say, ha, ha, I know what I'm going to do. I'm leaving, and therefore, my faithfulness has ended. I'm not going to be faithful to Saul anymore. Was he faithful and loyal to Saul? Yeah, he was. In spite of it, it's not about David. It's about the God's glory. That's what it's about. Let's give you a biblical example of this faithfulness and this love. I'm going to go to, let's go to Ruth chapter 1. And we're going to read a little bit here. It's just a biblical example here. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab, and his wife and his two sons with him. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. The names of his two sons were Milan and Kilian, Ephratites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered 
the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they lived there for about ten years. Then both Marlon and Kilian also died, and the woman was bereaved of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-laws with her. That's verse 7 now. She departed from the place where they were and the two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. You know, God rewards faithfulness, loyalty. In Psalm 31, verse 23, it says, O Lord, the Lord, O love the Lord, all of you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful. He preserves the faithful. You don't really probably understand how much God really rewards faithfulness. But you can look at David's, King David's life and you can say, well, he had opportunities to kill Saul and he didn't because he wouldn't touch God's anointed. And God rewarded David. He, David had a lot of things, uh, a lot of things going wrong in his life. But God rewarded his faithfulness. God, I'm telling you, a faithful man, a faithful woman, uh, you, don't, you just don't know. Because in order to be faithful, you're going to have to put the flesh under. There's no way about it. No other way. You're going to have to put the flesh under. The only way you're going to stay faithful is allow God's faithfulness to come through. And he's faithful to the unfaithful. He was faithful to those who uh, sometimes, like Naomi, uh, she was bitter. Call me Mara, she says. In Naomi chapter 1, Verse 18, in uh, Ruth chapter, chapter 1, Norman chapter 1. I'm glad it wasn't Norman. <laughs> you know, uh, thanks for reminding me. Uh, y'all did a good job reminding me. <laughs> Is that, why didn't they name the book Naomi? I thought about that, honest. Because it's about Naomi. It's about Ruth, but it's about Naomi. Naomi was a Naomi was a was a uh, from Judah. Why name the book after a Moabitess? That's what I thought about. I said, this is odd. But I believe God rewards faithfulness. That's what I believe. He rewards faithfulness. It says that, and also she's in the genealogy of, come on, Jesus Christ. He rewards faithfulness. Listen, listen to what it says here. When she saw, there was Naomi now, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. You know that Orpah could have done the same thing. She could have done the same thing. But I believe that Naomi wanted both of them to go back because she wanted them to have a life of their own and they were young women and to get married again and have uh, security because they're secured in marriage for women back in those days. And so she wanted both of them to go. Ruth is the only one who was determined, I'm not going. 
I'm not going. I don't care about uh, my I don't care about my country. I don't care about my mother and father leaving them. I don't care about, no, I'm not saying don't do that. But, uh, you know, the thing is that, it wasn't that far they could walk to it, but, but the, thing is, the thing is that, that she was going to leave everything because, see, Naomi needed her. Listen to verse 19 down, it says, So they both went until they came to Bethlehem, and they came about, when they had come to Bethlehem, that all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned with her Ruth and Moabites, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem, and it began. It was the beginning of the barley harvest. That lady, Ruth, looked at looked after her mother-in-law. Ruth, no telling what happened to Naomi if it wasn't been for Ruth. God rewarded it. It didn't take but about four to six weeks until. Ruth had a husband. Yeah. Because the barley harvest and then the wheat harvest, they say in the, in the um, literature that was reading, it takes about six weeks, four to six weeks for both of those harvests to be over with. That's when she was gleaning in Boaz's field. God was doing some, 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 uh, some stuff all along, putting her in his field. And he was doing something in her reputation. She had a great reputation. She wasn't going after the young men and all like that, chasing people, trying to find a husband. No, 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 no. She was trying to just please God, the new God that she had, 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 had found in, in, that Naomi had been telling about. Oh, it's such a great thing, a great thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, God rewards faithfulness. He really does. And you can read the, the uh, we taught on it one time, but you can, and through, through it verse by verse, but you can read sometime that book as a short reading to see the faithfulness and how he rewarded her. The ending of it basically um, said, that, said that, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive because, see, she was barren. Did you know that? See, she has been married to to, to Milan, but they didn't have any kids. They've been there 10 years. I don't know how long they were married because they didn't say, but it, they had opportunity to have some children. But they didn't have any children. But God opened the womb, enabled her to conceive, and gave birth to a son. See, it could have been a daughter, but gave birth to a son. Then when, then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become favor, famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child, laid him on his lap, and became his nurse. The neighbor women gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. And Obed is the father, Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. Isn't any guy good? He is so good. You be faithful. Just be faithful. Don't let the flesh have an opportunity. Be faithful. Serve one another. Love one another. Be faithful to one another. And you'll find out that God will reward you. Let's stand. Father, we um, thank you for as we close in prayer, we thank you for 
the opportunity to gather together in your name. Free. Secure. Without any threat of harm. We can proclaim the name of Jesus. We can clap. We can raise our hand. We can shout the name of Jesus here in America. I thank you for that, Lord. Father, we want that agape love to flow freely through us. Freely through us. And we're asking you, Lord, to help us to understand that we truly are dead. We died with Christ on Calvary. That our, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Our life is hid with Christ in you. Help us to see, God, that even though we are free, We can't give the flesh an opportunity. We must love one another. We must serve one another. We must look out for one another. Be concerned for each other. We have to be faithful to one another. Because the only way we can be faithful to you is by being obedient to you. And everything you said that we read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, all the law is summed up in this one word, this one phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, a new commandment I've given you, love one another as I have loved you. God doesn't leave. It doesn't leave anything in that picture. We know the strokes that the Holy Spirit wants to paint with our lives, with love and faithfulness. We know it. Father, we ask you to allow us, to allow him to paint the pictures of love and faithfulness to all those who we are around. So they'll smell the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ. Everywhere we go. If there's anybody here that today, I had a worship, uh, the uh, prayer team to come up please. If you have anybody today, if I have anybody that today you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand and put it back down, and I will pray for you because there's no need to leave if you're not in love. And the only way you're going to be in love is in God, and the only way you're going to be in God is give your life to Jesus Christ. Is anyone here? Just raise your hand and put it back down so I can see your hand. Goodbye. If you've given your life to Christ, but you have not been living that life, you strayed away like the prodigal son, Jesus Christ, oh, he has his arms out to you today, and say, come, come back, my son, I love you, my daughter. If that's you, just raise your hand and put it back down, and I'd like to pray for you. Anybody? Okay, I see the hand. Okay, I see the hand. Father, you've seen the hands raised for that. And the last one is that if there's anybody here that you said, well, you know, pray for me that, that love, that faithfulness that you talked about today will not be hindered by me any longer. I'm going to practice allowing the Holy Spirit to love agape love through me. To be faithful through me. Raise your hand and put it back down. I will pray for you. Okay, I see that. Father, first of all, we pray for, the, for the, the ones who want to rededicate their lives. And those who raise a hand for that, just repeat after me or to yourself. That's fine because uh, God hears you. You just talk to yourself. Hannah did that. God heard her. She was just moving her lips. You don't have to say a word. Just move your lips. Father, In the name of Jesus Christ, 
I admit that I have strayed from you, but I'm coming back today. And you've said that you're faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I believe you, Lord. You are faithful. So therefore, I know today that I have been put back in right standing with you. I have been forgiven because love forgives and you are love. I ask you to help me to stay on a straight and narrow. Be dedicated and to move forward into the things of you. In Jesus' name. Those who, like me, don't want the love to flow, let's pray that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to allow me to really understand my death on the cross to understand that I'm a walking dead man to understand that it's not about me it's not about what I like it's not about who I like it's not about the place I like it's not about whether it has, has this and has that it doesn't have all these things it doesn't matter about my mate whether uh, they are compared to somebody else they might not be compared as much Father, I'm, I'm saying that God, I want to be faithful I want to Love, I want to do those things just like the Holy Spirit wants me to do because I know in your word, Lord, that you, you have shown me that you love the unlovable because you've loved me. That you love the unlovable because you love the world. And you have been faithful to all of us even when we are so help me to yield and allow you to have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody say.